Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. you are if you have every shazam unless the holy spirit's working unless he's working in and through everything then nothing's going to happen so we're uh, we've got some wonderful homes together got uh, eric has been working really hard with other youth leaders in the community with josh and jeremiah some of the others so we're looking forward to what god's going to do there father we just come and pray uh, this morning now as we celebrate Uh, Again, uh, another life that has gone astray back into the race with his eyes fixed on you. Thank you, Lord, for the influence of so many in the the community, uh, in his life and in our lives. And today, as we look at your word, as we worship, we pray that we would hear your word for our life, that each of us would be sensitive to what you're saying to us and what you want to do in us, and what you want to do through us. Help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to love the person that you've placed in our path, the neighbor around us, as we love ourselves. When we find the wounded, help us to take time to stop, to try to help, to lift them up, to nurse their wounds, and uh, do like the Good Samaritan, get them to a place uh, of help, and then follow up with them. Uh, Father, we know that we fall far short of our own standards and fall far short of uh, what you are, but we ask that you would continue working in us to will and to do your good pleasure. Pray that you would continue working all circumstances together for good because we do love you and we want your purposes and you want to make us more and more like the Lord Jesus. Help us to be patient in that process. Today, As your word gives us a great warning, we pray that we would hear the warning in our hearts and that we would hear your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you have a a great victory, um, that's when you need to be, while you're celebrating and running around with your trophy and really, really happy, you also need to pay attention. Uh, After a great victory can come uh, a great defeat. Uh, You can get... Uh, be everything going fine and then suddenly get in trouble because if the devil can't get you one way then he's going to come at you another Uh, we're going to be in Numbers uh, chapter 22 uh, just shortly but let me read to you from Ephesians uh, 6 verse 12 Uh, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. World forces all over the world working in darkness are are evil spirits working uh, with Satan and working against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And we know that passage talks to us about uh, putting on God's armor, but verse 10 says, finally be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might. And then verse 12 again. For our struggle, our wrestling, our conflict is not against people. But against evil forces in the world around us. 
we've been studying in the book of Joshua last week uh, and, and for a couple of weeks I talked with you about the flesh walking in the flesh when you become a Christian and listen to this listen to this this will save you a lot of pain in life if you can get this in your heart Romans chapter 6 says that when you're in Christ you have a new nature the power of the Holy Spirit's come into you and you do not have to sin you don't have to sin uh, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you will sin some, but it, it's not an overpowering like it used to be. Ephesians uh, 2 verse 1 says that the people who are not Christians, they're dead in their spirit. They're dead in trespasses and sins. And the spirit of the evil one works in them, the spirit working in the sons of disobedience. But when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you. Chapter 7 in Romans talks about the struggle now, I, I, I've asked you to listen, so listen. Listen with your ears. Don't run your mouth. You've got plenty of time to talk later, talk before church, talk after church. Now, what I'm saying is important for your life and the life of the people around you. There's nothing that you need to talk about unless your baby's dying or something. Okay? So listen, listen with your heart and pay attention um, because I'm giving you the answer to something. You may not know the question yet. And when you're getting beat up and run under the bus, oh, I didn't know that was happening. Well, I'm telling you now something that people struggle with all their lives. So listen with your heart. Listen carefully. You know, if little voices are talking in your head, there's nothing you have to talk about more important than I'm talking about here right now. So listen, talk to them about that later. Write a note on your hand and you can tell them later. Okay, so Joshua had come into the promised land. Uh, they had won battles. They had won coming out of Egypt. The ten plagues. God took them through the Red Sea. God brought them out celebrating. Drowned Pharaoh's army. The Amalekites attacked them. They defeated the Amalekites. They defeated other armies. They came up there as they came towards uh, the promised land. Uh, and God was bringing them there. They were being uh, attacked. And Og, king of Bashan, and his army came out against them. A huge army. Much bigger than theirs. But they defeated him. God said, I am going to defeat all your enemies. As they came uh, towards the promised land, uh, in Numbers chapter 22, we have the story of a man named Balaam. Now, he's famous for uh, that he had a donkey that talked with him. Uh, and This, this story gives us another warning. We, we were talking about the flesh when you're trying to operate in the flesh. A preacher can try to preach in the flesh. A mom and, and daddy can try to be mom and daddies in the flesh. You can have a business and try to do your business in the flesh. The band can try to do things in the flesh. When you do things independently from God, consciously or unconsciously, you are beginning to walk in the flesh. It's like a glove saying, boy, look what I did yesterday. I caught, caught that ball and saved the home run. Now, today, I'm going to do it again. No, a glove can't do anything. It is the hand in the glove. God in you, working through you. And that is walking in the Spirit. And that's Romans 7 says, I've tried the things I don't want to do. I do the things I do. I wish I didn't do. Uh, how do I do what I should do? Romans 8 says, be filled. Be being filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life. Well, Joshua, as the leader, they've come up to the, the promised land. They've had lots of victories. You know, Satan comes, it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, he comes like a roaring lion sometimes, seeking whom he may devour. He is not toothless. He's not clawless. He is seeking to devour. And sometimes he's hiding in ambush and coming, trying to scare you to death, roaring. But the Bible says, greater is the Holy Spirit in you than that evil spirit that's in the world. And just as Jesus overcame him, you can overcome him. But other times he comes like a sneaky snake. He comes in with a silver tongue, whispering in your ear like he did to Eve. Oh, no, you'll be fine. Don't worry about that. Just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. So he comes in different ways. And so since uh, Joshua was winning all the battles, since they were having great victories, the devil tried another way. There was a king uh, in, in Numbers 22 uh, called Balak. So in Numbers 22, verse 1, Then the sons of Israel journeyed and camped, in the plains of Moab, beyond the Jordan, opposite Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So Moab was in great fear because of the people, for they were numerous, and Moab was in dread of the sons of Israel. Now, even though, now Moab, who's Moab a descendant of? You remember? This is your Bible trivia question for the day. One of them. Lot, when he fled from Sodom and went up into the caves with his two daughters uh, and they got him drunk. He had two sons by his daughters, Moab and Ammon. Just a quick side note there. Lot left Abraham and went in and moved in amongst the, the Sodomites and did it for security for his family, opportunity for business. He became a leader in the gate. He was a leader in the city. But he ended up losing everything that he was working for. He lost his wife. She turned to a pillar of salt. He lost uh, his testimony. He, uh, when, when he told the, the young men of the city, he said, God, it's going to destroy the city. Let's leave. They said, God, destroy the city. You're crazy, old man. And when he got on to the people of the city who wanted to rape the angels who had come, they said, hey, you're a stranger. What are you doing telling us? what to do. He left there with no impact on that city. Left there up, in, up into the mountains and had those two sons, Moab and Ammon. And here we have the Moabites. But God in his kindness had told Joshua do not bother the Moabites. Leave them alone. But Moab was going to come out against them. So the king of Moab uh, Balak says, these people, verse 4 Moab said to the elders of Midian now this horde is going to lick up all that is around us as an ox licks up the grass in the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of Moab at that time. So he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the surface of the land, and they're living opposite me. Now, therefore, please come, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. Listen, it's possible to have power in this life. It's possible to have power that gets things done. And I want to give you a warning today. 
In a nation that is going to be destroyed, the steps are they prosper. They become strong. Everything's going good. Business is good. Prospering, winning the battles, growing, succeeding. But after you've got lots of money, after you've got everything working out, it is so easy personally as individuals, as a nation, to become careless and to think, I did this. When people become careless and are bored, then they start getting into mischief. You know, idleness is the devil's workshop is one of our sayings in English. America has prospered greatly. We've been blessed by God, protected by God. So many things in our history that God has protected us in. And individuals here, each of us, you know, God has been kind to us, good to us. A nation that's going to be destroyed, they become careless. Then they become immoral. Then they get tired of just being immoral. They say, this is still not really satisfied. They become perverted. After perversion, they say, well, something's missing. And then they begin searching. And that society, as it decays and implodes and the gangrene spreads in that society, becomes more violent, more evil, more unpredictable. Then they begin looking for power. And they want to try to control the power. And they go to the occult, go to satanic power, witchcraft. And, and listen, our nation has soft witchcraft that's been permeating it for a long time. You know, one day I was watching a cartoon at somebody's house. There was a Smurfs. And uh, they said, uh, by Beelzebub. And I think it was the name of the dog or something in there. So I said to the ladies whose house I was at, I said, do you know who Beelzebub she is? She said, no. I said, that's one of the names of Satan. Lord of flies. It's a good name for him. Because that's all he's good for is decaying, rotting, stinking stuff. But Lord of Flies, all permeated in our cartoons, in our movies, uh, in, in our literature. You know, Harry Potter is so popular. What kind of school did Harry Potter go to? Sorcery. Sorcery, studying how to control evil forces to be able to accomplish your purposes. And you can call them good if you want to, but God hates sorcery. God has strong things to say about sorcery. In the Old Testament, if you were found with sorcery, you were stoned to death. Took care of that in a hurry. God hates witchcraft. Listen, uh, in, in our society, it's easy to, to read horoscopes, to be looking at the signs, you know, to be and, and it's things which may be harmless in themselves, but then uh, some you, you become more and more tolerant. Pretty soon, oh, we're just playing uh, a game. You know, Dungeons and Dragons, it's just an innocent game. There's all kinds of occult games that you can play electronic games now. There's the Ouija board. You know, I was at a church once and I was talking to them about the dangers of playing with something like that. They just laughed and said, oh, that's nothing. I said, it is something. You're asking a force to move words. You're asking a force to... And there are powers like that. When you read Harry Potter about people being able to go through walls, people can do that. People can appear and disappear. Evil spirits can appear and disappear. Satan himself appears like an angel of light trying to deceive people. There are dark forces in this world. There are forces that things happen. Now, I grew up in Africa and you think, oh, that's just those primitive people. No, I've seen more demon-possessed people in L.A.J. than I saw in Africa. Of course, I've been here longer, too. Uh, and I was a kid there and here I'm much more alert. But evil spirits coming in and, and, and evil spirits at work and lies coming into your head. That is very, very real. And, 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 and this, this man, Balaam, he had powers. 
When he cursed people, they were cursed. When he blessed, they were blessed. And if you had the right price, he'd come over there and bless. This guy, when Balak sent for him, he's 350 miles away. He was a long way. He was over there on the, on the, the Euphrates River. So it took, it would have been, you know, uh, several days journey to go there if they went by horseback to get him. And they come to Balaam. He said, uh, verse 7, So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with fees for divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and repeated Balak's words to him. And he said, Spend the night here, and I will bring word back to you as the Lord may speak to me. And the leaders of Moab stayed with Balaam. Now, I can't tell you exactly the relationship he had with the Lord. It's interesting that he says, I'm going to talk to the Lord about what I should do. But what we're going to find out is that he is more interested in his agenda than he is really in God's agenda. But if you got to speak with God person to person and he spoke to you and worked through you, wouldn't that be a treasured relationship to you? Wouldn't that be how many would love to be able to hear from God and know exactly what he wants you to do and, and to be able to speak blessing into people's lives and to speak powerfully into a situation? Balaam had that opportunity. Verse 9, God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent word to me. There's a people come out of Egypt and they cover the, the surface of the land. Now, come curse them for me. Perhaps I may be able to fight against them and drive them out. God said to Balaam, do not go with them. Is that clear? Does everybody understand? Do not go with them. Balaam didn't. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Now, let, let me say something here. Now, this will be my opinion in the day and time that we live in. Uh, I have very good friends who disagree with me. But I believe that God has a plan for Israel as a physical nation. I believe they've blown it. I believe they are, are a lot of them atheists, a lot of them agnostics in relationship to God, rebellious against God, and they have brought tremendous evil on them, just like God told them would happen in Deuteronomy. But I believe God has them as a sign to the nations, uh, a prophetic plan for them. And those who bless them will be blessed, and those who curse them will be cursed. Fortunately, our nation has been on the right side of trying to help them uh, in, in these last days. That doesn't mean everything they do is right. That doesn't mean they're a godly nation. I'm just saying, I believe in prophecy, God has a plan for the Jewish people. And that is a sign to the nations of what he's going to do. No, no nation has ever been absent from their country for 2,000 years and come back in a world force to be contended with. I mean, when America tells Israel to do something, they say, we won't if we don't want to. When Russia tells them to do something, they said, if we don't want to, we're not doing that. They're just a little thing, 11 miles wide at places. They're a little tiny place. But God says, that is my country there. That is my people there. And he has a plan for them and through them. And you can read in Daniel and Thessalonians and Revelation. You can read there. And God's at work in them. So as I'm talking now about what God did for them way back there and Balaam way back there, there is a reason we're talking about that today. Balaam has a lesson for you and for me today as, as we're here. So Balaam's talking with God. He hears from God what God wants him to do. He says, don't go with them. Verse 13, so Balaam rose in the morning, said to Balak's leaders, go back to your land for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. Because God has blessed these people. Verse 12, God has blessed them. He told Abraham, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. These are blessed 
people. So the leaders of Moab went back to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come. So Balak again sent leaders more numerous and more distinguished than the former. So these were elders he sent the first time. Now he sends princes and very important people to appeal to Balaam. They came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, son of Zippor, the king, 350 miles away. Don't let anything, I beg you, hinder you from coming to me. Don't let God keep you away. Don't let your convictions keep you away. Here's all these important people. Now, you've heard me say, my daddy says there's three big dangers to, to preachers and to people in a spiritual life. They start with F. The first one is fame. You remember the next one? Fortune or close finances and females. Fame, finances, females. Get men or in the case of women, get males. You know, but that doesn't start with an F, so that messes it up. Okay, fame, finances, and females. Those are the things that trip so many people up, so many people in ministry. They try to get famous. They try to write a book, try to get their name in life, try to get all that. No. Let God take care of that. God says, I'm the one who lifts up. I'm the one who puts down. Let me take care of that. Finances. God is able to provide. We know in this church how he has provided. And many of you can give testimonies there. And then, then he tries to come with females or sexual relationships trying to compromise and get you off there. And we'll find out about that, how that happened in Balaam's life here. But God tells him, no, don't go. So they send more famous people. Listen, you won't just be tempted one time and win the battle. There'll be more temptations. There's always the temptations to try to draw you away. So they appeal to his pride, appeal to his ambition, appeal to his uh, desire for money. Verse 17, I will honor you richly and I'll do whatever you say to me. Please come and curse this people for me. Balaam said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I couldn't do anything small or great, contrary to the command of the Lord my God. Now please, you all stay here tonight, and I will find out what else the Lord will speak to me. You know, James chapter 1, the, the young people, some of them have been reading it there. In James chapter 1 it says, Lust, when it's conceived, brings forth... Help me. Sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth... Death, separation, destruction, an end there. When you have strong desires, watch those desires. Measure them by the word of God and walk by the word of God. He'd already heard from God, but he goes back and says, God, God, there's bigger people come and they promise me more money. Is it okay if I go over there? God came to Balaam that night, verse 20, and said, If the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you shall you do. How many of you have nagged your parents until they let you do something? How many of you have nagged God until you went ahead and did something then you wished you hadn't? Yes. Uh, well, that's what happened here. So God says, okay, you can go with them. But watch here. So Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the leaders of Moab. But God was angry because he was going. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now he's riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, the donkey turned off the way and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey 
to turn her back into the way. So here he is riding along on his donkey. The donkey sees an angel with a sword drawn, getting ready to kill him. And so the donkey swerves off into the field and goes over there. Balaam gets off and frails on the donkey and beats on it and gets it back in the trail. What is wrong with you, you sorry donkey? And his servants are back there listening. So they get back on the trail. Well, then they goes into another place. There's a couple of stone walls there. And the angel stands right there. And the donkey can't go backwards. There's people behind. And so it pushes up against the wall, mashes his foot. Oh, Balaam pitches a fit. Gets in their rage, gets his staff out. He's beating the donkey. He said, Ah, if I had a sword, I'd kill you right now. And so then they get past that. The angel moves, and then they go on down there. Then they get into a place, and, and again, the, the angel's there. The donkey can't go anywhere. So the donkey just drops down on the ground. Balaam gets off, and he yells, and he frails on the donkey, and he's carrying on. Suddenly the donkey says, Man, why are you treating me like this? Now, Balaam doesn't stop and say what you're doing talking to me. He says, about time we had a conversation here. He says, I am beating you because you sorry animal. I am trying to go someplace and here you are not taking me there. What is wrong with you? He said, have I ever done this before? Well, no. And God opened his eyes and he could see the angel there. Let me tell you, there is an invisible realm of it. We are in an invisible war. Ephesians 6 says, we're not wrestling against people, it's principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And it is a malignant darkness. It is a deadly darkness that's around us. We're not praying, you know, and, and, and you young people, you know, you're making some of the most important decisions of life in a time when you can be naive, when you can be easily fooled, when you can be sincere, but you can get yourself in big trouble. I pray that you stay in a fellowship. Uh, go find a place where people read the Bible with you, pray with you, talk with you. People love you and know you. You know, how nice, Calvin, you've got friends that come from other places here just to see you today. They want to encourage you in your testimony, encourage you in your life. That's a, a, a great thing. Last week, Calvin told me he wanted to give his testimony, and I said, well, um, you've been walking strong with God now a whole two weeks. This is good. Are you a sprinter or are you a marathon runner? He wasn't sure why I asked that, so somebody went by one of the adults. I said, is the Christian life a marathon or a sprint? They said, marathon. Yes, it's a marathon. And we have to encourage one another. Sometimes you're going to get tired. Sometimes you're going to get tripped up. Sometimes you're going to need encouragement. I need encouragement. You need encouragement. And you need the brothers and sisters. We're a body of believers. It's not a solo event. And so that's what we want to do. If you're not in this place, you should be someplace else. If you hadn't got a church to go to, we got to be better than no church. All right, so be here and, and uh, stay with us and let us help you and walk together. The small groups that Eric was talking about is to help us there. So the, the angel uh, is there and could have killed him. Are there angels in Elijah besides your wife? Yes, there, there's angels. The Bible says there's evil spirits in this world. There are angels. Be careful to entertain strangers. Some, in that way, some have entertained angels. Unawares. Always be alert. Be prayerful. When somebody comes up, and, and they're, they're, I, I've prayed about that many times, and, and think about that. You know, uh, when, when th this week Brenda Key died, and, you know, we shared the story of Floyd Newton as he was dying, 
he, God allowed him to see the angels in the room and it comforted him greatly, comforted his wife, thrilled my soul that he could say, oh, thank you for your help. Here come the angels coming to get me. What a wonderful thing to know that they've come to lead him to his heavenly home that Jesus uh, made the way for him to go and the Holy Spirit to take him there. So here's Balaam and the angel of the Lord is angry because really he's not doing what God wants. Listen, we are called to not just, don't just say I'm a Christian. It's a better thing to say nowadays, say I'm a Christ follower. Uh, people tell me they're a Christian. I say, no, nah, are you a Christ follower? Well, yes. So how come you just did that? How come you just went there? How come you just acted like that? You're a Christ follower? That's not the way Christ does. Jesus says, if you, he who loves me will keep my commandments. And... The one who keeps my commandments, he says, my father will love him and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I'll begin revealing myself to you in your lives. So here's Balaam, a man who's talking with God, a man who knows the will of God, but a man who wants money. And he's headed to try to get money and fame and fortune from this king who wants him and all these princes that, that are riding with him. Then the angel of the Lord, uh, uh, verse 28, and the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said, what have I done to you? And anyway, I told you about that. Verse 31. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing with drawn sword in his hand and he bowed all the way to the ground. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Does God care about donkeys? Yes. Evidently. Behold, I've come out as an adversary because your way is contrary to me. But the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you just now and let her live. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the way against me. Now then, if it's displeasing to you, I'll turn back. But the angel of the Lord said to, him, said to Balaam, go with the men, but you shall speak only the word which I tell you. So Balaam went along with the leaders uh, of Balak. Listen, just because you say you're sorry... There's a difference between regret and repentance. There's a difference between regret and repentance. Pharaoh told Moses, I've sinned, I've sinned. Uh, you know, make, make the frogs go away. Make the river turn back fresh. But, but then the very next day, he had regret for the problem that he was in. He wanted Moses to fix it. He said, I've sinned, but he was not repentant. He had regret. You know, you have uh, Saul. King Saul, as he chased David around trying to kill him, Saul said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But he went right back to doing the same thing. He had regret for the place he was in, regret for a moment, regret because uh, of what was going on in his life, but then he went right back to his evil ways. He didn't repent. Judas said, threw the money down in front of the priest, said, I've sinned. They said, that's your problem, not ours. And he went out and hanged himself. Peter repented. Judas had regret and misery and the devil himself had entered into him and his life was destroyed. Somebody, listen, listen, who had walked with Jesus, seen the miracles of Jesus, been there with Jesus. The warning that we have today is don't presume, don't be careless, don't compromise, don't, you know, the other word that we use, we talked about walking in the flesh, but we talked last week about apostasy, the warning that Joshua gave the people. Watch out, don't Drift away from God. Don't be lured away from God. Seduced away from God and get your attention on other things. Walk with God. So Balaam uh, went there. 
you know, now we have, you know, true repentance. You have the prodigal son, don't you? He had messed up. He'd blown his money. He had ruined his reputation, done terrible. But he's sitting down there in the pigsty, wanting to eat pig food. And he says in his heart, oh, what am I doing? He says, I'm, I need to go back. If I can just work for my daddy. I'm not worthy to be his son anymore. I'm so sorry. And he went back with his head down, muttering to himself what he's going to tell his daddy. And his daddy saw him and his daddy came running down the road to him. The heart of love and the feet of love and the arms of love threw his arms around him and says, Come, son, bathe him, dress him, put a ring on his finger. My son who was lost is found. He's repented. He's come back home today. That's what God wants all of us to have is a humble heart before him, a repentant heart before him. All of us can go astray. All of us can go in the wrong path. We can be lured by the wrong things, but he wants us to uh, repent before him. David, after he had committed the sin with Bathsheba, his baby had died. He comes in Psalm 51 and bows down before the Lord and said, Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Oh God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I want to be right with you. I want to walk with you. So you can have regret or repentance. Balaam just had regret. So he goes on and he begins to speak. Verse 39, Balaam went with Balak to Kiriath Hazoth. Balak sacrificed oxen and sheep and sent some to Balaam and the leaders who were with him. So he's there with this king. Listen. Now, I hope this is not too obscure for you. I, I believe this is God's word for us today, so I hope I can explain it clearly to you. Uh, he uh, offers sacrifices at Baal worship places. Now, the, the reason God had told them to wipe out these people was they worshipped Baal and the Ashtaroth. They were demon spirits behind, if Corinthians says, behind every idol, every idol, there, is, there are evil spirits that are involved with that. An idol, listen, an idol, if you've never written this down, you might want to write this down to think about this. An idol is anything that you depend on for security, significance, or satisfaction. Anything that you look to, that you put your security, that will make you disobey God or ignore God. Yeah, I don't have time to pray. Don't have time to read my Bible. Don't have time to go to church. Okay, something has come into your life. You know, uh, that, that is distracting your heart from God. God says, I want you to love me with your whole heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the essence of everything that I want from you. Do justice. Do the right thing. Love kindness and walk humbly with me. Where are you with God today? Do you love Him with all your heart, soul, and mind? Do you love the people that He's put around you with the love of Jesus? That self-sacrificing love that it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. Are you with me? You with me? There are evil forces that are seeking to lead you astray. There are people who want to curse you. Here was Israel. They did not know what was happening up on the mountains there. They did not know that there was a man calling in evil forces to curse them, to speak against them, and to cause them to be defeated. But God was at work in spite of that. God was at work. This is the invisible war. That's going on all around us. And God was at work. And so 
he goes there and offers these sacrifices at the high places of Baal. And Balaam is right there. Verse 20, uh, chapter 23, Balaam said to Balak, build seven altars for me here and prepare seven bulls. So they do that. Then Balaam said, verse 3, stand beside your burnt offerings and I'll go. Perhaps the Lord will come and meet me. Whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went to a bare hill. Now God met Balaam and he said, I've set up the seven altars and I've offered a bull and a ram on each one then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and he returned and he verse 7 he said uh, from Aram Balak has brought me Moab's king from the mountains of the east come curse Jacob curse the children of Israel for me and come denounce Israel how shall I curse whom God has not cursed how can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced I see him on the top of the rocks I look at him from the hills and behold a people who dwells apart and will not be reckoned among the nations. God has a special plan for them. They are a loved people that he has chosen and he has a special plan for them. God loves all the world, but God especially has a plan for them. Verse 10, who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. He said, oh, I hope I can die like him. Are you still with me? You can't die the death of the righteous unless you live the life of the righteous. Balaam was not following after God with all of his heart. Balaam had power, but Balaam was willing to sell his power uh, to and, and wanted to curse these people, but God would not let him. Uh, when there are forces against you, the devil has evil plans for you. Do you remember somebody in the Old Testament who uh, the devil wanted to attack and God wouldn't let him? Job. He said, God says, have you looked at my servant Job? He says, oh, yes. He says, my servant Job is righteous and everything. He said, yeah, you let me get his stuff. He'll cuss you to your face. And God allows him to destroy in his family and even at attack his health and give him boils all over, make him miserable, allows him to do all of that. Satan has great power. He sent lightning. He sent uh, a whirlwind to destroy the house where his kids were. He has great power, but God is restraining at all times. And Job, listen to Job's word about God. Even if he kills me, what? I will still trust him. In Ezekiel 14, God talks about three men who are his close friends, Job, Noah, and Daniel. How would you like to be on that list? Son, Lord, you know, all of us would like to be on that short list with God. These are men who sought after God, who pursued God, who were close to God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, in, in, the, in an obscure town, engaged to a man. The angel comes and says, oh, highly favored one with God. You are chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. God knows your heart relationship with him. Today, where's your heart uh, with uh, God? So Balaam here gives Sarah, I mean, Balaam gives several prophecies each time he blesses and blesses. Look at verse 20 of chapter 23. Whom he has blessed, I cannot revoke it. He has not observed misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord, his God, is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. And so he goes ahead and gives several prophecies here, and you'll see that in chapter 24. You'll see that in chapter uh, 25. Uh, in, in chapter 25, listen, now this is what Balaam does, and we're going to look at a couple of scriptures about what he did, and then you're going to have an opportunity to respond 
uh, to what the Lord may be saying in your heart today. Balaam knew God's will. Balaam knew what God wanted. He gives four oracles here and each of them he blesses and blesses. And Balak says, go home. I was going to make you rich. I was going to help you. But you have only blessed these people. Get out of here before I do something bad to you. Balaam said, well, um, you know all that money you were talking about? You know all that stuff? And he stayed there with him. He said, let me tell you how to get God to curse them. Says, he won't let me curse them, but God himself will get on them. He says, throw you a big party. Invite their young men. Get your pretty girls to run down there and get their young men to come up here. Get your good-looking hunks to go down there and talk to those girls and get them to come up here and worship your idols and uh, eat things sacrificed to idols and worship the Baals. Get them to do that. God himself will do that. And guess what happened? They came down and said, hey, come on. You know, after all, we're related way back then. There's nothing wrong with that. Come on. It, you don't have to believe in our God. Just come up there. Now, the worship of these gods were immoral. They were vile and there were demons there and there were terrible things going on. You say, well, we don't do that in LJ. Anything that takes your heart away from God, anything that seduces you away from that, there can be uh, evil in a good thing. Anyway, they started committing immorality. God and Moses and, and uh, Joshua and all of them are there at the tent Grieving, weeping, wailing because they say, oh, God is being disgraced here. They are going to uh, defeated gods and, and turning away from God, committing immorality. 24,000 people died of a plague there. 24,000. Now, if we had 24,000 people, that'd be most of our county gone. All right. This is a million and a half, two million people that are there. And God's judgment starts through the people. One of the leaders of Israel, one of the young men, comes in with the daughter of one of the leaders of the Moabites. And they just walk right past. There's Moses weeping at the tent. The elders weeping and mourning. And they go to, to the tent, go in there. And Phinehas, one of the Eliezer's sons, jumps up, takes a spear, goes and spears them through both. And God says, you did the right thing for my honor. And he uh, stopped the plague there. The leaders that had led in that were executed. God takes sin very seriously. God takes this uh, direction very seriously. Let me just uh, go with you. Uh, uh, it, you can write this down and you can read it later. Acts 17, verse 24 to 31. God says, I'm the one who uh, rules in the world and I uh, deal with... Uh, Deciding who gets to be rulers here, there, and yonder. Uh, and uh, he says, so you cannot curse Israel. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. Never mind. Go to 2 Peter 2. We'll just go to 2 Peter 2. You can, we'll talk about the other tonight at Bible study. 2 Peter chapter 2. Talking about verse 17, talking about false prophets. They are springs without water. Can't get a drink there. Mists driven by a storm. 
for whom the black darkness is reserved, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity. They entice by fleshly desires and sensuality. They've got the wrong things trying to lure you. Those who barely escape from the ones living in error, promising them freedom. Now this is church people. False prophets who've come into the church while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this a man is enslaved. Your addiction becomes your master. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world and the knowledge of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and become entangled in them and overcome, the last state is worse than the first. It would better have not known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turned away from the holy commandment handed to them. It's happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit. A sow, after washing, turns to wallowing in the mire. Verse 14, it says, These men have eyes full of adultery. They never cease from sin, enticing untable, unstable souls. They have a heart trained in greed. They are accursed children, forsaking the right way. They've gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor. He knew the right way to go. He knew God's will, but he chose because he was after money. And he chose, uh, told the king, said, oh, get them involved in immorality. Get them involved in worshiping idols, uh, the wages of righteousness. And he rationalized what he did. And when the children of Israel came and defeated the Moabites in war, which they had instigated, then Balaam was killed uh, with them. Look at Jude chapter 1, just before Revelation. Jude chapter 1. If the band would go ahead and come. Jude chapter 1. Verse 11. Woe to them, for they've gone the way of Cain. For pay they've rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 13. Revelation 2. Verse 13. Jesus, talking to the church, says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And your church is right there amongst them. And you hold fast my name and didn't deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. They took Antipas and put him in a big brass bowl they had made. And they put him in there and lit a fire and roasted him to death as he screamed in there and died. Jesus says, my faithful witness, he died there amongst you for my name's sake. But I have a few things against you because you have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things, sacrifice to idol, and commit acts of immorality. God takes immorality seriously. God takes uh, walking away from him. Sorry about your words. Uh, uh, seriously and the danger that we have as Christians is we can walk in the flesh trying to walk in our own power we can become apostate we can be lured away with a cold heart towards God and be led far far from God where people wouldn't even know that you're a Christian and then we can be like Balaam you can hear somebody speak and know that's God's word. Just because somebody says God's word, just because somebody has power, doesn't mean they're right with God. Learn that from Balaam. He spoke the words of God. He prophesied things that are happening today, but his heart was far from God. He was a wicked man who was lured and wanted more money and fame and finances and females than he wanted to walk in God's way. Satan is a deceiver. 
He comes at you like a roaring lion to try to scare you. If he can't scare you and devour you, then he's going to try to deceive you and get you to disobey God and to go away. And you can lose, just like Calvin was talking about. You can wander far away from God. You can have a cold heart towards God. You can begin saying things, thinking things, which are wrong towards God when God wants you to be close to Him. Today, as we sing this last song, um, I'm, I don't try to manipulate you, I, I don't believe. If God speaks to you and you need to respond, you can go back to one of the chairs there. We'll be glad to pray with you. If you need to give your life to Christ, you say, I am not a child of God. I'm not a Christ follower. I don't have any power in me. I don't have any victory. I'm continually defeated. I, God's been speaking to me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Then you can do that today uh, and, and surrender to Him. Let Him be your Lord and Savior. If you have named the name of Christ, but you have been lured away, seduced away, and you found yourself being a traitor to Him in an adulterous relationship spiritually, uh, fraternizing with the enemy, with those that hate God, and you want to come back to Him, come back not with regret for the trouble that you're in, come back with repentance, like I deserve nothing good from you. God will welcome you home like He did the prodigal son. So whatever God's word is for you today, for those of us who are Christians, we understand, like, like I told Calvin, this is a marathon. It's not uh, a dash. Uh, it's not a one-week uh, firecracker. This is a long race, but it's a blessed race, getting to know God better and better and better. Father, I just pray now that you'll speak in your own way to our hearts. Pray that we would be a church of people whose hearts are on fire to love you, to walk with you. Pray that when you speak to us, that we would be swift to obey, that we would allow no lure of money, no lure of fame, no lure of any kind of relationship to draw us away from you. Pray that you would be our first love. Our first priority would be to make you happy in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, in our attitudes, in our motives. Lord, you are the one who knows deep into our hearts we know that we're prone to wander. We pray that you will seal our hearts to you. Draw us close to you to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. To love the people that you've placed around us with your kind of a love. And we thank you for what you're doing amongst us. And pray that you would intensify that work in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.